I'm going to hit record, but I'm going to put on the record that my voice is still a little scratchy. It has been for a couple of days. It's still me talking. <clears throat> I'm going to start with a greeting. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. That's right. What did he say? Shabbat Shalom. Sabbath peace. It's a little different from what you might hear me say, right? It's not how we greet each other around here. But the Hebrew saying is still spoken today by the Jewish community. When, when they say Shabbat Shalom to family and friends, it's after demanding work week, they mean more than have a peaceful or restful day. What we're really saying is, may you be restored to wholeness on the blessed Sabbath. May this to be a reviving, a re-fulfilling, restoring day. That's a well wish I've ever heard one. It is more than a wish between people. It is God's design for our lives to have a restored wholeness through him. The commandment to keep the Sabbath holy isn't just found in a single biblical record of the Ten Commandments. And the Bible actually contains two complete sets of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, 2 through 17, and Deuteronomy 5, 6 through 21. In addition, there's a little piece in Leviticus 19 that has a little partial set of the commandments in, in reference to the law. So... Um, let's take a few minutes to read these passages and consider them in context. Up, up on the screen is Exodus 20, 8 through 11. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male nor your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. I love that. It's like, it's not just for your good. It's for everybody else's, right? We're going we're gonna to model this thing for your animals, your, your friends, even the friends and visitors, the foreigners. And then it says, verse 11, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That's the verse that Mark read this morning in our scripture to remember this week. Exodus 28-11 speaks of God resting. The connotation of this reference means to cease, right? After six days, God had created everything. Isaiah 40-28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Well, if God doesn't get tired, then why would he need to rest? It wasn't about being weary or sleepy or even bored. God accomplished what he wanted to accomplish in creation. He had accomplished everything in order and with purpose. And, and creation was, was created. It was done. The work could cease. Genesis 2 captures it this way. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that had been done. The next recording of this is found in Deuteronomy 5, 12-14. You'll find the wording very similar, but, but we're going to take this in context. It says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to your Lord to the Lord your God, on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any other animals for any for or any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Everybody. Verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, 
And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. It's all the same till we get to the very end. So you'll notice at verse 15, after listening to some of the stipulations about how the Sabbath is to be observed, it ends with a firm reminder that God had rescued the Israelites. In this context, the commandment speaks of how God, how the people recognize the covenant. They honor the Sabbath in response to God's rescue. To keep it holy, and the word holy means to set it apart. To set it apart. They became a part of, this, this rule became a part of the law or instructions that govern the lives of the Israelites. Exodus 31, Exodus 31, 13 says, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. This, this will be a sign between me and you for generations to come. So you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. I am the one who sets you apart. So do this for me. And there's just a brief reference in Leviticus. And I love this because Al, you hinted this earlier. Leviticus, Leviticus 19.30. Observe my Sabbath and have reverence for my sanctuary. Right? We talked about this. <coughs> Whose church is it? It's everyone's church. But it's really God's church. Have reverence. Have respect for it. And that comes in play because... His sanctuary, this church, is a part of how we honor the Sabbath. Here's something you may not have noticed before. When we think of the Ten Commandments, we often think of them as the thou shalt nots, right? Don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. But this commandment to keep the Sabbath holy is expressed in the affirmative. Thou shall. You should. Actually, shall in a legal term is actually stronger than should. It's like you will. You shall. Look it up in contractual language. Shall. Through the numerous message series, we've, we've talked about how to make real change in your life, how to maintain your hope and faith in all circumstances, and, and how to have a godly perspective on everything, including and sometimes especially yourself. It all started with replacing the negative and focusing on something else. And perhaps you remember the example I use about the dancing elephants and the chocolate chip cookies. I won't get too far in it, but I'm like, you know, whatever you do, and I do this with the kids on, on the classroom things all the time, don't think about elephants. Don't think about elephants. I'm like, all right, who's thinking about elephants, right? Right, yeah. And I get it real elaborate. I'm like, with the pink tutu and the bow and the hair and the ballerina, and they're like, and I'm like, you know, anybody? I'm like, yeah. Because you can't not think about something when it's in your head. But then I said, now I want you to think about chocolate chip cookies and imagine them straight from the oven and you just pull warm gooey, right? And like, oh yeah, you can see them, you can smell them now. Who's thinking about the elephants? No, they're thinking about the cookies. I love that example. And it, it seems random, but it's really effective to make a point that you can't not think about something. You have to replace it with something. So think about this. Like if you're snow skiing, flying down the mountain, Right? You don't think, don't hit a tree. Well, maybe you are. Don't hit a tree. But you're like, no, you're like, stay on the path. Stay on the path. If you stay on the path, you're not going to hit a tree. In the Bible, we're given a lot of instructions of what we should not do, of what we should avoid, etc. But there are also many simple pieces of wisdom that address these as the affirmative. Do this. Put your mind on this. Do what is honorable. Of course, don't kill. But Jesus simply said, love others. Focus on loving others and you won't have to fix in the specifics of what a violation of that instruction means. Keep the Sabbath holy. Set it apart with a special purpose and reverence for God and gratitude for his many promises that remain unbroken even to this day. I found a commentary in my study by, by G. Voss. 
I'm going to read it, and it says, It's important to note that Shabbat means both to cease and to rest, and I shared that. For both means occur in the respective versions of the fourth commandment. In Exodus, as the motive cause makes clear, the seventh day must be set apart because God ceased his creative work on that day. And therefore, human work should also cease. In Deuteronomy, the motive cause bases Sabbath observance on the fact that the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt, and therefore it was most appropriate to celebrate deliverance from that bondage by abstaining from labor for one day, and that is by resting. In both cases, the seventh day must be made holy. Fundamentally, the idea of the word holy is is that of separation. I think to set apart is, is how I describe it. Setting aside for some particular purpose. That is, it has no inherent element of moral content or purity, right? How can a day be holy? As holiness becomes associated with God, however, as the absolute transcendent and perfect one, his attributes of sinlessness and moral and ethical perfection become the stamp that we call holiness. Therefore, for a person to be holy as the Lord himself is holy, right, which is described in Leviticus, it is to suggest a way of thought and life that is above reproach. Be godlike. Don't consider yourself God, but use him as your example. Does God see someone this way? Did they love someone? Did they forgive someone? That is holiness. Obviously, a day in itself can't be holy, not in a moral sense. But we can set it apart for a specific purpose. And in this instance, is to withhold that day from, from use and abuse of things that would contradict or conflict with our reflection on the Lord. These may not even be bad things, but if they take up the space or our time in our mind or our hearts or our lives that is dedicated to the Lord, then they are not keeping the Sabbath holy. If you were actually to look at the verb tense, it would say to put the seventh day into a state of holiness. And, and last night I practiced with Sherry the, the Hebrew word. I won't use it, but the Hebrew word for this. Sometimes I'm better than others. But, is, but we are called to put the seventh day into a state of holiness for us to set it apart. As a commandment conveyed to the Israelites, this became Mosaic law. This is the law that they were required to follow to, to the death. Jesus was familiar with and subject to these same laws. And when he traveled and taught, they were part of his message. But he rarely stated, thou shalt not, and then stopped. He gave context. He gave reason. He gave application. That's what made Jesus a true teacher. Not just to recite it and get you to memorize it. Say, what can I do with this? Why? And he never said, because I said so. As always, my father, my father. But many of the statements he made even in the Sermon on the Mount, and, and, and that's Matthew 5, and it starts with the Beatitudes, blessed are those, and he gets into the Sermon on the Mount. And I love this. As, as, as an example, listen to verse 43. <clears throat> you have heard that it was said, right? You know this. this is what you've been taught. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And he says, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute. You see that deeper level, that other part that, that we can't just check the box and say, hey, you know, love your neighbor or hate your enemy. He says, no, you got to love them to the point that you're praying for them. Boy, you want to soften your heart, pray for someone that you're holding something against. And Jesus observed Mosaic law, but he would not let it become a tool to manipulate others. He wouldn't lord it over them, even though he could. Or to allow it to become a stumbling block. And I think that was his, his real mission was, hey, the stuff that we are told to do or not do, don't make that a stumbling block to your faith. 
Mark 2, 23 to 27 says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. As his disciples walked along, they began to pick some of the heads of the grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? They're working, right? They're... Jesus answered, Have you never read that David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the sacred bread, the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even for the Sabbath. We're going to dive into that in a second because that's, that's loaded. But in this final sentence, Jesus clarifies the relationship between human life and the Sabbath. He says, people are not made for Sabbath rules, but the Sabbath was instituted in order to bless humanity, enhance its well-being. Right? You ever have your parents say it's for your own good? It's one of those things. Loving limits established to protect us and keep us within boundaries of healthy, abundant life. This ruling expresses a a principle remarkably similar to that of the wine and the wineskins. We talked about this on on Wednesday night, right? It says the wineskins must conform to the new wine so that the law, he says, must confirm and conform to human life. Jesus corrects a mistaken interpretation that makes the Torah the First Testament law, right? He he says it's it's a burdensome yoke on humanity, this thing. And so he restores its true intent as an aid, as a guardian, as a a protector, like loving limits, boundaries, not fences to, to keep us contained, but fences to keep those things out of our lives. By what authority, however, does Jesus contravene Sabbath convention and re- redefine it, right? Who is this guy that, that teaches it but then says, you know what, this is what... If we look at verse 28, which is the continuation of the verse on the message slide here, I'm just going to read it. It says, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And it says, so the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. True lordship over the Sabbath is invested in Jesus Christ. So how did Jesus and his followers observe the Sabbath, right? They were subject to the same law. Luke 4, 16 says he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. That was the kickoff of his ministry. As was his custom. Acts 17, 2 talks about Paul. It says, as was his custom. Or it says, as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And Paul, despite what you may think about him, and I still think he's a bit of a prideful guy, he says this, 1 Corinthians 11, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's what Jesus did too. He said, do what I'm doing, but not because it's me, because it's godly, it's holy. But they always knew that it was more than just going to church or taking a break from work. It was not, if you want to honor God, you have to do his work even on the Sabbath. Luke 41, 1 through 6, it says, One Sabbath, right, this day set aside to do nothing. When Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisee and experts in law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? but they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that fails, it falls into a well on the Sabbath day, 
will you not immediately pull them out? And they had nothing to say. Are we going to set aside doing the God's work because we think God told us we should be doing nothing? Luke 13, 10 through 17. On a Sabbath, here we go again, Jesus, teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmary. Then he put his hand on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Right? Isn't that what we're supposed to do when something wonderful happens? Even if it's through someone else, we give praise to God. We say, thank you, sir, ma'am, but praise God. Verse 14, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. How dare he? The synagogue ruler said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Does each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Right? God doesn't then deny your physical needs, your emotional needs, your spiritual needs any day of the week. I can't think of a, a worse way to spend a day that's supposed to be holy than to ignore the callings of God. Remember the word Sabbath comes from Hebrew and, and the word meaning rest or to cease. So we've seen examples of both contexts. The biblical Sabbath day is Saturday. Do you know that? Sabbath. And a lot of some religions call the Sabbath Saturday. Saturday is their holy day. It's the seventh day of the week. But now, although now it is predominantly practiced on Sunday as Christians. The, the Ten Commandments prohibit doing any work on the Sabbath. And it said, dedicate this day to worship. Does that mean to spend the entire day in church? No. Not necessarily anyway, right? It does say spend it in worship. Now, now we know that we're supposed to worship God in all we do. Go about your day. If you're mowing your yard, if you're, if you're shopping, if you're eating, if you're spending time with friends, honor God in all that you do. That is worship. If you're in tune listening to him and asking him to guide you and all that, it says to pray without ceasing. Does that mean you have an open conversation the whole time? No, but an open dialogue, yes, Right? That's worship. That is spending a holy Sabbath. But we look at this from thousands and thousands of years ago, literally this commandment, right? And, and it's, we're far removed from the days of, of working the ox and, and, and things like that. And, and certainly thousands of years since the Israelites were freed. I mean, yes, we did benefit from that. But, but do we forget these wonderful things in history? So we say, is this commandment still relevant to us? You know what? God knows your needs better than you do. He knows you need rest. He prescribed it. We should always have time set aside, which is, again, the definition of holy, for God. Technically, the Sabbath is Saturday, and the history of that change to Sunday in Christianity is a study for another time. But I appreciate that we set aside Sunday as holy because the world may consider the week Monday through Friday with a weekend of freedom, right, at the end. But biblically speaking, Sunday is the first day of the week. Now think about it this way. We know that we are instructed to give our first and best to the Lord. I consider our time here on Sunday mornings, the very first hours of the very first day of the week to God, our first fruits, right? We're kicking our week off. We're not tying a bow on the, on the weekend. We're kicking off this coming week. We're praying in advance for the things we're doing, the surgeries, the procedures, the everything, the stuff that we've got coming up. What makes your commitment to do this holy 
is when and how you prepare for it. Be mentally and physically ready to engage in worship as we sing and take communion and read and study God's word and pray. And we have fellowship with each other. And, and the balance of this day that we're supposed to keep holy, what do we do? Keep engaged with God as you go about your day. So the challenge in today's age, and perhaps every generation has said this, is that there are too many distractions. There's so many other things going on competing. Now, now some of these were probably less prominent in the, in the days of the blue laws. Remember the blue laws? You couldn't do certain things because things were closed. Becky, you're looking me puzzled. You couldn't. There were stores that were closed. Blue laws, you just, I don't, how long has it been since for sales? Anybody remember them for sales? Has it been in our lifetime? Okay. It's been a while, but within, within this generation, your generation, yeah, the things were closed, you know, and now look at us. We're open, Kmart and Walmart opened up at midnight on, on Christmas Eve so you can study or shop, right? But so that helped because there were few distractions, but there was nothing else to do. But now well, there's so much going on competing. We've read how Jesus and his disciples, the apostle Paul and countless others keep the Sabbath holy as was their custom. It was a habit, a good, healthy habit. And, and psychologists tell you that it takes six weeks to develop a new habit, right? It takes a period to break an old one and, and a period to, to develop some new one. You know, and, and, and I don't think it's, it's, it's more than, I mean, I don't think it's coincidental. I think it's beyond coincidental. I think it's prescribed that, that a lot of the things that God tells us to do or put people through has been 40 days. That's really close to six weeks, isn't it? It's like God knew what our mind does what it takes. 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness, right, preparing for his ministry, getting ready. 40 days no one and his family spent on the ark learning to rely on God. 40 days of Lent every year as we prepare for the redemptive power of resurrection. So consider this. What would your life look like if you at the minimum committed to this 40-day challenge? If at a minimum set aside one full day each week dedicated to your spiritual, mental, and physical wellness. Now that doesn't mean as soon as you leave church, go sit on the couch because I'm, I'm resting, I'm ceasing. There are things to be done. But I think what's cool, we live in this area where there's a lot of Mennonite communities. They don't pick up their phone on Sundays, do they? You don't call them. It's family day. It's family day. There are things that can and need to be done. We are called to be stewards of things and take care of things. But can we commit one full day a week for six weeks to really hold that day set aside for God and everything we're doing? One full day set aside for the sole purpose of connecting with God, regardless of what we're doing. Wouldn't that make the other six days so much better? I, I have to believe it would. I want to end with this thought. Friends, we, um, we know that Jesus came not to abolish the first testament laws, but to fulfill them. That's what he said. Jesus came to be the Sabbath rest for you. You are commanded to cease your efforts of trying to earn grace. Stop. Sabbath. You are commanded to rest in his care. Right? Hebrews 4.9 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, and that is in Jesus Christ. For the Christian, the ultimate rest is found in Christ. He invites all who are weary and burdened to come to him and cast their cares on him. This is scriptural. It is only in him that we find our complete rest, true rest from the cares of the world, from the sorrows that plague us, from, from the need to work to, our, to make ourselves acceptable to him or ourselves or anybody else. We no longer observe the Jewish Sabbath because Jesus is our Sabbath rest. 
In Him we find complete righteousness. We find complete rest from the labors, self-effort, because He is holy and righteous. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for you, to be sin for me, so that in Him we might become righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. We can now cease from our spiritual labors and rest in Him, not just one day a week, but always, always. Let's make that our prayer. Would you join me, please? Heavenly Father, you call us to keep it holy, to set aside for a special purpose. Lord, and it's not just about a day a week. It's about a life. Can we not give you one full day of seven? Lord, and and can we not expand that habit to just stay engaged with you constantly? Just keep the phone off the hooks and so we can talk to you. We're just there. Just pick it up. Say, God, here I am. Here's what I'm doing. Here are my worries. Like, I know. I see you and I hear you. Lord, you, you call us to accept this invitation to come to you with our, our sins, our struggle, our worry. You see us. You know our hearts. You know what we've done, what we think, what we, what we do. And Lord, you say, still come. You are our Sabbath. You are our peace, our rest, our cease from our worry. Lord, let us not squander this blessing. And just as importantly, Lord, let us share it with others. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.